The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Gregory Ajid, and uh, we're going to welcome the great Darian Douglas to The Working Gregory, Artist Project. What's Gregory, Gregory, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's good to be back. We're, we're here again, Greg. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? You know what? It's better than the other option. So I'm happy to be here. <laughs> man, oh man, they hit home, baby. Especially <laughs> especially now, man. It's a lot of people did make it, a lot of friends and family. But we're grateful. And tonight we have a, man, like, it, actually we have a really close friend on the show tonight. It's not every night that we get to do that. But tonight is special, Greg. Why don't you go ahead and, and, and put it on us? Yeah, so we have a very special guest, and we've been very fortunate here at Second Line Arts to um, call this this guest one of our faculty members at the Sanam Music Workshop, and uh, she's been helping us, uh, advising us on our educational ventures. So we're really excited to have her. We've been very fortunate to work closely with uh, with this this young woman, and um, she's actually been becoming the most in demand composer and arranger and a trombonist down here in New Orleans. And uh, she's uh, making a splash now on more of a, a national slash international scene, uh, having been recently named the director of the D.D. Bridgewater Big Band, which is uh, really cool. So uh, this evening, we're going to welcome the great Emily Fredrickson to the Working Artist Project, y'all. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having hey, me. Hey, what's up, Emily? Thanks for coming on the show. Always, always. Yeah, you, uh, you, you, on a, you in the family now. I guess you've been in the family now for about, what, three, four years? How long has it been? Yeah, I think time is, time is funny now, but... <laughs> I think three years sounds about right. <laughs> it's like we've reached that that weird part of our lives too now, where it's like, is was that three years ago or nine years ago? I know, seriously, <laughs> right. really tell. seriously, that's I, what I have to think about when I think about how long I've been in New Orleans. I'm like, it hasn't been. No, it's it's almost been a decade. Yeah, yeah, it's right. almost been ten years. Yeah, almost. almost. You're you you are you're part of like one of the the OG FSU uh, waves to New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like a, a, a wave right after OG, but yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> for, for those of you who didn't go through that that experience with us, it was like, I think uh, there's this cat named Tara Kossin that moved to New Orleans. And then, uh, man, Jameson Ross, Barry Stevenson, Riccio, Emily, and then a whole host of other guys have like really taken over the scene here. And, and uh, you know... To, to say they're all absolutely great players and, and wonderful people. So we're happy y'all chose New Orleans to call home. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a minute. So Emily, I, I wanna I wanna dive right into the music because you got a lot of things going on right now that are phenomenal. Thanks. And uh why don't we start why don't we start right at DD Greg? What you think about that? All right, cool. Love I it. think Greg. that sounds like a great, great idea. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So recently Emily had the opportunity to work with Dee Dee Bridgewater at what, which festival? The Detroit Jazz Fest? Yeah, Detroit Jazz yeah. Fest, yeah. 
Yeah, Detroit Jazz Fest. And if you guys haven't checked that out, check it out. It's, it's one of the premier festivals in, in the world, you know? So mm-hmm. so you, you got a chance to direct a big band. I think it was all women. Yeah, correct? that's correct. Yeah, so it was a lot. Of, that's that's crazy and, and difficult. It's difficult to do because all the women aren't in one place. So they're mm-hmm. spread out all over the country. But I'm going to let you tell us a story and, and how that all came about. Yeah, this has been, it's been a long time coming. We were supposed to be at the 2020 Detroit Jazz Fest. And it was kind of our little like seed of hope that happened in the middle of maybe early summer in 2020. Didi reached out to us and we were like, okay, okay, September, September, things are going to be happening. Um, so we all, you know, kind of kept it under wraps for a year, just kept our fingers crossed, hoped that it, 2021 happened. And we were so glad it did. Um, in that amount of time, you know, there's, there are a lot of changes, you know, people went through so many different things. So, you know, personnel slightly shifted and at some point Dee Dee reached out to the band to see if they had any recommendations for directors because they were in need of one. And I think I was on Amina Scott's couch and that's a great place to be because she's just a wonderful, wonderful human. And she, I was like, you know what? I was thinking about maybe, and she just like, before I could even finish saying it, she's like, if you don't email her right now, I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. I'll just see. I'll see if she's interested. And if she doesn't have anybody already, you know, see what she says. But, um, you know, I, I shot my shot, so to speak. And uh, she emailed me right back and said, duh, of course. I don't know why I didn't think of this. And I was like, yay. <laughs> And um, yeah, that's how that's how the opportunity came up, and then we then we sat on it for about a year, and I'm so glad it finally happened. That's that's so cool. I mean, especially to the opportunity to work with someone like Dee Dee Bridgewater, who is like a jazz legend in her own right. Mm-hmm. Um, what what what's that feeling like? To I mean, so again, like, what are your responsibilities as the director of the of this this band now, and what does it mean to you to work with one of the greatest vocalists of our our, our time? Didi is an absolute legend. It is the greatest gift that really anybody could get is to have an opportunity to work with Didi because, you know, we we talk about matriarchs and patriarchs in the in jazz history, and we always look up to them as like, man, I wish I came up under so and so. Wouldn't that be amazing? We we're doing that. We're coming up under one of those people, and it is so special for her to dedicate so much of her energy and so much of her legacy to making sure that all of us continue on and flourish and have great careers and are um, encouraged and, you know, protected and just loved and provided for. She absolutely does not have to do that. And she spends so much of her time doing it. It's so beautiful. Um, So working with her is amazing. I've been working with her for, ooh, how old am I? Okay. For about seven years, (laughs) I remember seven years because in the billboard article, she mentioned me being a 23 year old arranger and I am not 23 anymore. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I've been working with her for about that long. Um, Did a world tour with her, um, did some arranging on an album um, with her. And then since have worked with her tons of live shows, um, lots of different arrangements like that. And just kind of consistently, you know, little things here and there have just come up over the past seven years that have just kept us working together, which is really beautiful. 
Um, yeah, you, yeah, you know something that's super dope about this story, uh, you guys. Like when I was in college, I had this professor. His name is Larry Panella. And I was fucking up and he told me something. He said, you know, preparation plus opportunity equals success. Now, and I'll never forget that because I was like, what, man? What are you saying? But this reminds me of that because you're on a, you're on a couch, but you're prepared. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you're yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to email because most people would be afraid to even to reach out and say, you know what? I can do what you need done. Mm -hmm. I know I can do it. You, you know, I know I'm a bad motherfucker. I know I can arrange these. This, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. that's real because some other, some other person, you took the step is what I'm trying to say. Somebody else who could do it may have just sat in the back. Or somebody could have gotten the opportunity and not been able to, you know, follow through on it. So I'm just kind of curious, like, sure. where where do you get that courage to be like, you know what I'm gonna do, man? I'm I'm gonna I'm call Didi Bridgewater. I'm gonna email Didi Bridgewater. I'm gonna call Obama. Tell him, see what's up, bro. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, partially Amina. <laughs> she gassed me up a little bit, um, but also just like I know that it's been a this, this year has been quite a journey for me. And it's been um, sort of like a journey in learning to be proud of myself. I'm finally kind of proud of myself. And it's it's been really hard for me to get to that point. Um, it fluctuates. Sometimes I feel pretty miserable too. But, you know, taking a moment to just like step back and look at what has happened thus far, instead of looking forward at all the things that I haven't done yet. That's been a huge important part of this year and the success that I've had this year is just taking a second to appreciate, you know, always planning, always looking forward, but just being proud of myself of the things that I've done. And yeah, you're right. Pre preparation. I've been arranging pretty much nonstop since I started um, in college, early college, my first year in, at Florida State and have over almost 250 big band arrangements done and almost all of them have been no, all of them have been played not all of them have been recorded um and you know working with other ensembles and um something that i've realized as a pattern in my career i, I work specifically with vocalists to help them create arrangements of their music so that they feel comfortable and like that's kind of a a muscle of mine that I've been flexing for a long, long time. And I didn't realize how special it was because making, making people feel comfortable with arrangements is just, it's a huge trust thing that I've kind of learned to make sure that people can trust me to do. And I'm, you know, honored to think that Dee trusts me to do that. Um, and, and lots of other vocalists that I get to work with, but it is, it is really special. Um, in terms of getting the courage to reach out to her, she's so warm and loving. Like, you know, she is a legend, but she also puts no barriers up. You know, she is just so welcoming. And I know that if I reached out and it wasn't the right time, she would tell me. She would say, you know what, Emily? I love that. I love that you uh, reached out. Let's work towards that. And she will give me all the tools to get there. I'm really glad that she said yes. I'm glad that she said, duh, that made me feel even better. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's, she would, she would give me everything that I needed to make sure that I was where I wanted to be. And I'm really glad that, you know, she's very just wise and knows. She seems like a, an incredible mentor 
and again, has have like the the life experience and resume to really <laughs> to take on that role in, in our lives too. So that's, no that's really cool that you get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I was going to yeah. say, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about having you on board in the uh, the Sanal Music Workshop was was that whenever we bring you on, you'd always speak about like self compassion and um, kind of you know again working through our the demons that we all have and. And I think it's important for all of our listeners to understand too that like when we have someone like you up here or any of our other guests, like we're all going through our personal uh, dragons and and beasts and, and things like that. So, you know, part of this process is always learning how to um, just learning how to uh, to be to be our best selves and to be happy with ourselves. And and that ultimately, you know, hopefully comes through our work, even 250 big band charts later, we're still dealing with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I was wondering when you were speaking about um, having a niche for um, doing arrangements for particular like vocalists, what what makes a good arrangement for a vocalist? Or what are some things that you try to consider when making an arrangement for someone like DD? Or, or what makes that like, as an arranger, what do you need to think about when doing that? Yeah, there's a lot of little nuances that go into that. Um, I've worked with various pop artists. Um, I've worked with um, like Eric Benet and Lettucey, and that that was an amazing experience. That was really early on in my career, which is awesome. And I learned some lessons the hard way. <laughs> um, and then I've worked with, uh, I got to work with Alan Toussaint for one of his arrangements and Aaron Neville, um, and really consistently have worked with Haley Reinhardt for a long time and that's more in like the pop realm um and then just things here and there I had the opportunity to work with two amazing vocalists with the Dee Dee Bridgewater big band Darren Dean and Kennedy and wow working with them was just amazing too but I realized it's just a pattern in my career um I think a big part of it is just um being really person like personable with that artist and sensitive to where they're coming from. That is just, there's no way to understate how important that is. So having conversations with the artist and just being familiar with their experience, um, Didi can hear anything. I can write literally anything. Like, you know, she, Thad Jones singer at the big band, like what she can, she can hear more than I can ever write. So I can throw anything her way and and she'll tell me if she likes it or not, but she's going to hear everything. But I have to be considerate with people who are not like coming from the same background. I can't write the same way. Um, I would never write the same way in an Eric Benet chart just because it's disrespectful to the music, but also like, that's not the vibe he's coming from, you know? So learning how to work with the singers in their comfort level. Some people really just don't mind if things stretch. They can figure out where things are going to come in and they don't mind that at all. Some people really lean on the form to make them comfortable. Some people really lean on the harmony to make them comfortable. And some people like to have things doubled. Some people absolutely do not like to have things doubled. So what it is, is a lot of conversations and a lot of just, you know, trial and error. You know, I learned I learned the hard way so many times, which I'm grateful for, honestly, because those are lessons you don't forget. It's not necessarily a, a classroom lesson where you get a C minus. That is a dirty look from the singer in front of you. That's like, I don't know what this is. Like, but, hey, look, Emily, you got you to tell these ain't no grades in real life, motherfucker. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Pass, fail. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Truly. You'd be like, you know, I always tell Cash, you, you know what, Ron, we're late, fired. That's right. 
<laughs> get it together, Doc. Something you said, <laughs> it was really interesting to me, is you saying you, you have to get to know the singers, you know? And so, I, you know, sometimes in music, we forget about the human element. And and I, I want to hear about that. Like, how deep do you are you getting into these people's personas into their personal life? Do you are you know are you at their house eating dinner? Are you Ooh. best friends? Because because music is personal. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? For me, it is. I'm from Mississippi, so if I hire somebody in my band, I gotta trust you. I gotta trust mm-hmm. that. If I was about to get hit by a train, you would save me. And if you won't, I don't want to play with you. Are you getting that personal? Oof. Are you getting that personal? Or are you just kind of like, what should, you know, what are you doing? Whew. I mean, I can't reveal all my secrets, but what I can tell you is that, yeah, I mean, it, it does vary with every vocalist, truly. Um, a lot of the times, and the, the perspective that I teach from when I do teach is that you should just plan to never meet or see or interfere with whatever comes out of what whenever you give the chart to whoever is playing it you should plan to have no interaction from there from there on um i don't love that but that is usually what happens for me i send it as a pdf i hope that it gets printed right you know like I, there's so many hopes but i've learned to mitigate all of the issues too so i write very specifically i i'm very like demonstrative in all of the musical gestures that I make so that it's not too much left up to interpretation. But I always work under the guise that like, they're never going to hear from me. They're never going to hear my story. They're never going to hear like, oh, I wrote this because blah, blah, blah. No, you don't get that. It better just sound good. The end. Right. But when I have the opportunity to work with someone, it can vary from like anything from like, okay, a phone conversation or two, or somebody that just like has worked with me for a really long time, like trust you, do your thing. This is the this is a general gist of it, or this is the ensemble. And then um, this last experience, one of the singers and I just connected really quickly about a lot of things. And then it was like, you know, oh hey, want to check out my music? Cool, yeah, let's do this. Here's what I was thinking about this, and here's what I was thinking about this. And just the way that I responded to it made her be like, no one's like. No one's really talked to me like that about my music before. I really love that. And then we connected and now we're like having like three hour phone conversations every week. And like, we're going to start a podcast and we're going to do lots of other music and things like that. And yeah, so it can widely vary. And yeah, sometimes it really does get to like the, yeah, I'm sitting down having dinner at their house and like, you know, hearing all of the everything. Um, but <laughs> it's really just like about the nuance of every relationship, you know, that's not the case for most of the people that I get to, that I get to work with, but I do always have at least one conversation with them. Like when I did, um, the, um, LPO's arrangement of, um, Chapa style, I did actually get to talk to Chapa a little bit just to make sure that like he was on the same wavelength and he was, he was like thrilled about it, you know, it wasn't multiple phone conversations. It was just like a sit down conversation where it was like, cool. I was thinking this first, this first, here's the backgrounds here. What do you think about this? You know, is it cool if we shorten this part here? You know, that type of conversation, but also like to check with them, but also sort of to prove to them that you've done your research and you care enough to actually look into it and know all the versions and know that this versus this has this thing. Like, all of those things really just help them learn to like trust you and eventually lean on you to the point where like they call you all the time to do all of their arrangements, which is really dope, you know? Um, but also it's like a really, 
it's just a good feeling that um, I feel like goes under appreciated with like the way that sometimes we don't respect vocalists the way that we should. Um, there's always a communication, not always, there's sometimes a communication issue where we're like, yeah, they're just the vocalist or they're just the singer, which I absolutely hate because they can do so many things and they, they have to do so many other things that we don't have to think about and vice versa. So what I try and do is make sure that they feel the respect that everybody else on the bandstand gets. That's super important for them to just like learn to know that they can trust me, but also so that they can feel more comfortable being themselves and learn to say what they need so they can always get what they need from whatever producer it is or arranger or whatever band, giving them the tools like this is what I did here, you know, so that you can ask for it in the future because they need to feel comfortable. They need to feel loved and appreciated for all that they do too. Yeah, it's such a good point too, because when you're in that space of creativity, it's like extremely vulnerable and, um, you know, it's really easy to uh, push buttons in people and make people feel uncomfortable. So I guess in that communication factor, it's the, one of the most important things is to feel totally comfortable, unjudged mm -hmm. and, um, and supported in that creative process by whoever you're working with. Yeah, and uh, when someone says, "I wanted to, I wanted to bump harder," you need to. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and learning <laughs> to, to understand that. what that means. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I, I've learned to get different people's gestures. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a trip, but that's actually something <laughs> that I'm working on. Like, um, I'm studying. Oh, well, actually, working with another one of your your guests, um, uh, John Michael Rochelle, about like learning how to produce because we just realized like. You know, he wants to learn what I do as an arranger and I want to learn what he does as a producer. And I'm realizing that we have so much of the same exact vocabulary with just different tools. And I didn't realize like, oh, you know, this looks like big band arranging or, or orchestra arranging or whatever. It's just producing, but I, my tool is using the notes and the, like the dynamics and the phrasing and all of that and the textures and learning how to use extended techniques to get the different sounds. Like my tool is just like, the people playing the instruments, whereas I want to, you know, learn how to be, how to manipulate a DAW so that I can get those tools as well. But there's, there's such, there's the same skill with different tools. So it's a really fun thing to try and learn it. And if you come from the producing background, arranging, if you're willing to like learn the techniques to get those, those sounds out of people and the little subtle nuances that you can do to write notes on a page to get those amazing moments, like, it's it's so it's so valuable, but it really is the same skill. What 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 happens when someone hates it? Ooh, okay, let me <laughs> let me think back to some trauma. <laughs> yeah, let me, yeah, I want I want to bring all that trauma back to the surface. I can tell you what happens. It's like <laughs> I spent twenty three hours on this arrangement. What the fuck do you mean I you hate <laughs> it? <laughs> Ooh, it, it, and it's always those too, right? It's never the ones. It's never the ones that you're like, oh, whatever, whatever. This part, no problem. Just read it down. It's a head chart. It is what it is. It's always the ones that you like agonize over and do way too much. You know, <laughs> like that is how it happens. Um, when they don't like it, what do you do? I mean, honestly, I've just had it trashed. 
at, at the point where usually you get to rehearsing, especially with a big band, like there's just not enough time. There's too much momentum moving forward to just go back and start over. Um, I've, I've worked with with arrangers who bring in things with that's like, okay, this is barely salvageable. Let me hook you up with some tricks, you know, we'll make it work. But I mean, I've watched, I've watched a lot of singers struggle through my arrangements, other people's arrangements, and just like, you know, painfully learning the hard way that, that my ego is not what this arrangement is about. It is about the singer. It is about the melody. It is about this music, you know, not me putting that epic solely in there that train wrecks every time we play it. Yeah. It's like, it's making the singer sound good. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. And then eventually once you get to a vibe, you know, then, then making the singer and the band sound good together and like highlighting all of the strengths and like developing those, those beautiful little, little nuances. But when it doesn't work, you just kind of have to, you know, just like take a hit, learn your lesson. And uh, if it's salvageable, maybe try and fix it. But yeah, usually just, just learn from it. That's all you can do really. When you're writing for a vocalist, like someone like Didi and, or just, I mean, again, someone who has like this incredible musical ability, um, how do you, how do you, um, something that amazes me about vocal records, like big band stuff, like the arrangement and the vocals will like complement each other like, mm-hmm. amazingly. And so like, as an arranger, do you start with like knowing like, hey, this is the way, this is the way this vocalist sings this song and she, he, she always phrases the first phrase like this so i'm gonna put a hit here or yeah. how much is that like a, a push and pull between negotiating between like how they want to sing the song and how you want to write backgrounds and things like that for it oh yeah if i can get a recording that they've done before i will listen to it incessantly until i learn every little thing about the way that they do it especially if i can find a lot of different instances of that same recording with the songs that i was doing for detroit jazz fest um one of the singers that I was working with uh, hadn't had a big band version of its of her song done, but she played it live so many times. So what I did was basically like I took the average version of like you know like this version, this version, this version. She comes in here every single time. This time she kind of like ad libs a lot longer. Okay, what's going on with this? What's going on with this? I'm doing my homework like really intensely to make sure that I know the nuances. That before I get on the phone with her to say, hey, what do you think about this? that I know exactly how she's done it at least a few different ways. That's another case where I'm blessed with multiple recordings. There are a lot of times where I'm just like, oh yeah, we really like this tune. Um, she wants to do it in this key and make it a sax solo. That's like all the information I'm getting. So I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so then I'm looking into the ensemble. What does the ensemble have to offer? Um, does this singer, you know, work a lot are they doing things with big band a lot is this their first time with a big band i'm not going to throw anything crazy their way so that they're not so that they're thrown off like my goal is to make sure that nothing about the arrangement is going to make them wonder like oh geez i don't even what is this part you know i'm kind of just giving like giving it sounds like i'm giving something that's basic but really what i'm doing is i'm taking the framework and just making it as beautiful as possible without making it complicated or um just overly difficult for no reason or you know having a difficult form or something along those lines i'm trying to remove all of the potential issues in the way that i'm arranging so whether that's like the way that the form looks 
or, you know, just noting that like, okay, this is a double chorus here. I'm going to make sure everybody knows that this is a double chorus here, making sure that the lyrics for the vocalist are marked with the forms. So they don't feel stupid when you say start at a, and they're like, (laughs) you know, like that's a, that's an immediate barrier there. And you don't think about it. And sometimes I forget about it. (laughs) Usually I give them a chart because regardless of whether or not they're reading the melody, I want them to feel like this, this is your chart. You're included in this. If I say start at a, then you're going to know like, okay, that's the verse after my intro. Cool. That's a huge part of making sure that they, that they feel comfortable. And so that everybody's just communicating on the same page. Um, Didi has definitely ripped apart some of my lyrics that I've given her and been like, yeah, this, these these aren't right. Or like, I need the form clearer in this. And like, yeah, I've, I've learned, I've I've tried to learn. There's happened in Detroit too, but um, yeah, there's some things that you just kind of learn about what everybody likes. I mean, truly like that's what I talk about in my arranging class too, like writing for drummers. Basically I just have a conversation with every drummer I work with because every drummer wants something a little different, but I know if I can give them what they want, then they're going to sound great. So same thing with vocalists. That's right. right. Give us a chart. God damn it. (laughs) That's Always. all I'm saying. <laughs> With the form clearly marked. I, I'm a drummer, but I can count. Okay. So, yeah. but no, I'm just pages but, of but, slashes ain't the vibe. Come on, man. Come on, Greg. Stop giving me pages with slashes, bro. <laughs> Sixty-five measures. Years. Sixty-five measures of slashes, and then you have like an upbeat of one. <laughs> That's right. right. And you're like, you didn't catch that. You didn't catch yeah, that. You, no. You missed, you missed the hit, bro. Like, damn. But anyway. <laughs> I say that as somebody who's definitely guilty of having done that. So, you know, again, hard lessons to learn. All y'all do it to us because y'all hate us, but it's okay. Look, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. Yeah, right, right. You'll hear it. Dig this. All right. I want you to be honest with me, Emily. Yeah. I want you to be honest here. I want to hear about a disastrous situation dealing with money because I'm sure you've had them and people out here, you know, you know how they do. Like your face like lit up. (laughs) I thought you were going to say music and you said money. You don't got to name no names, but you can leave some hints so we know who they are. (laughs) Dealing with money. Wow. Okay. Oof. This is salty. Um, I, (laughs) this is, you know, I want to say, I want to say that this is a, this is a fault of a lot of people involved and then, then throw a pandemic in it. Right. So I worked on this really, really elaborate orchestral show for an artist who really deserves his flowers. Like, It's going to make me sad, but yeah, it was supposed to happen. It was very elaborate. It took, it was last minute because for some reason, that's just the name of my game is like, Oh, Emily's Emily will do it. How long? 24 hours. Emily will do it. Um, that's fine. I'll take it. I might, you know, I may have shortened my lifespan a little bit by doing that, but you know, it is what it is. I'm living now. Um, so I, it was very last minute. I worked really hard, did not sleep for a very long time, really like felt totally honored to have the opportunity and everything, but like put, put everything I had into it, neglected every part of life to make it happen. And when was the deadline? 
I think the deadline was March 12th. Yeah, it sticks out to me in my mind as the 12th. And I kind of missed it. So my fault. I missed it by a few pieces. So I had like maybe there was like 11 pieces. I had eight of them in. Three of them were still being worked out. So on me first, maybe not the first, <laughs> but I will I will take the first like I it was late on that. But, um, you know, then I was asking about a deposit that was made unclear, probably because I was like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. So excited. Um, which, you know, enthusiasm is so great, but also like paperwork. Get, get your paperwork. Um, <laughs> so I was asking about that, you know, like, hey, this deposit, you know, I thought we talked about this in February, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're working on it. And then, then pandemic, then other issue, then who's getting their name on what, then did you clear this? Then every little thing, every little thing came up. And now I have 11 really beautiful arrangements for chamber orchestra and this artist sitting on my computer, done and zero, zero dollars and zero performances. Wow. So heartbreaking. So, but so you, it's you, partially. You didn't, get, you, didn't, you didn't get paid. They didn't play it. You just did the work. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know what? It's done for when it happens, which I really hope it does happen. I would love for that to happen. I would love for it to not just take up space on my hard drive. You know, that would be awesome because I think they sound good. <laughs> I mean, I was real excited about it. But yeah, I mean, there were so many things involved. So yeah, even though things could have been made clearer on my part and their part and all of the parties in between, um, it's just, you know, just heartache at this point, which doesn't do too much good. But I did get an opportunity to, you know, work on those those arranged chamber music arranging or chamber orchestra arranging, which I hadn't worked on too, too much. So that was really, that was good for me to do. But again, like wouldn't have done that extensive of a deep dive for free, probably. Um, but, you know. <laughs> What so what's so the what's the lesson leaving that experience? Is it just kind of like get everything in writing, or what, what did you? Yeah, I get everything in writing, and I had it in writing too, but I didn't follow up soon enough because I just got swept away with all of it. And I mean, pandemics are unavoidable. That's something I guess we all learned. Um, but also, like, had I had a little bit more open communication with all the parties involved, I probably could have just called them and been like, "Hey, all these are done. Like, can we just, you know." Can we follow? Can we follow up on at least part of this, and then you know make good whenever we can make it happen? But there were just some communication issues that were, you know, definitely on me. Um, on the in between parties, like getting through as much of the like, um, I don't know, like the, the the in between parties, like making sure that those lines of communication are always open is very important. Usually, I'm pretty direct to the artist. But in this case, there were so many different managers involved and like people sort of like as intercessors between everything. So it was like, okay, I have my person to go to, but that person can't really create action. So I guess another part is, yeah, make sure that your contact is the person who can actually create action. And if you don't have that contact, um, just be there at a meeting, show up if you can. Um, just be like, hey, I'm just trying to get the vibe. Like, let me sit in a rehearsal or like meet so-and-so, shake hands be a face so that when you email them, you're not, you know, whoever arranger 
doesn't, I don't remember you. Who are you? Why are you asking me about money? No, I'm not. You know, if I was, if I was in more of the things and wasn't, uh, you know, didn't get so swept up in the opportunity and just, you know, communicate a little bit clearer, probably would have come through, uh, at least partially, but also it was just a hard time, just a really hard time to, to go through all of that. But that's, you know, certainly not the only money story I have. It's just the most, probably the most recent and biggest heartache. Probably. Feel yeah. free to send Darian out over there, man. Darian, Darian is is relentless, man. He will get your money. I'll get you. <laughs> hey, I have to tell you some stories. Hey, I show up at the motherfucking office. Hey, pay me. Good, good. <laughs> Don't pay oh, me I mean, today. <laughs> I've learned to be a lot more, uh, like you know, upfront about it. I have a, I have a rate sheet that I just drop into anybody's inbox. That's like, hey, can you do such and such? Here, consult. That's consult awesome. and then if you want to talk afterwards then yeah we can talk but that's like what we're going over tomorrow in my arranging class is rate sheets because part of arranging even though yeah you need to sound your arrangements need to sound good you don't want to be the person that's like oh so yeah i want to i want you to do this big band arrangement on like how much are we talking for this first of all there are so many other things you need to know before you drop any number <laughs> do not just say i don't know uh usually i can do it for about like Four hundred dollars, okay. But did you know that it was uh, including this pieces. and then yeah, and this and that and this and that? Like, no, do not. It's one comp. It's one composition, but a suite of nine different songs. <laughs> literally, exactly. literally. Like, I need you to transcribe. Like, I did have to do that. Like, make Miles Second Quintet for a big band. Like, I was like, yeah, what? This is okay, cool, but also not as easy as just me being like, yeah, I can throw down a fly me to the moon feature and whoever. No, no, that is a lot of transcribing. That's why I always say if there's any transcribing involved in this, that is a different price point. We have to go back to the drawing board. So either you send me a chart or it's transcribing like the end. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not using a lead sheet or whatever. No, you know what I, you know this. This, this is what I think people think about music, and, and this is for my non-musician listeners um, out there listening to this mm-hmm. right now. Y'all, what y'all think happens is we magically get touched by a fairy, and we just know how to play our instruments. <laughs> like people don't really understand. Like we spend like hours in a dark room by ourselves playing, writing, fucking it up. I mean, hours, man. Like, I mean, hours, hours thousands. The same three seconds of music trying to figure out what that rhythm is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clapping it out, calling your friends like, man, what, do you, is this, what do you think that is? Like, they're like, well, I think it's, it's like 20 billion hours of us, you know, practicing our craft. And, and that's why you're paying us. That's why you have to pay that high fee. And, and that's why when you call Emily, it's six figures off the rip. Cause we ain't got time for the bullshit, right, Emily? Um, yeah, that's I, I, six. There are six figures. Sometimes there are decimal points in there, but you know, there. I, I think there. We, should, we have our first T-shirt right here. Second Line Arts Collective, a six figures Ooh, off the rip. Six figures off the rip. Yes. Okay, I like that. I like that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Going going to what Darian said though, I just I I, I think it was like a year or two ago. Um, my dad, who's been a huge supporter of my career forever and ever and ever, day one, biggest fan, right? I realized that I had never explained to him what an arranger is. And this is maybe like something for non for the non-musician listeners. So arranger, right? So you hear um, 
okay, let's just, I'll use a um, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, because everybody watches the Super Bowl, right? So you hear Bruno Mars is singing at the Super Bowl. Great. Wow, look at that. They have a huge band on stage. That's amazing. So many horn players. Oh, wow, a string section too. Okay, so they're not just hopping up on stage knowing Bruno Mars's songs, first of all. And even if they did, it wouldn't sound good at all if they just played off the record. So an arranger is that person who does all of the magic in between. Bruno Mars says, I'm playing the Super Bowl. I want a full 60-piece string section in like a you know, horn section and all of these of in a gospel choir, right? So the arranger says, okay, I got you. How long does it have to be? What is it? Like, what other medleys are we doing? Um, who is it going to feature when? What key are these songs in? How can I make it so that the songs don't sound disjointed? Okay, now I'm going to write part of it for the string section so that the string section is featured in a way that makes it sound good. I'm going to lengthen this part of the song and shorten this part of the song and open this part of the song up for, uh, you know, whatever guitar solo. And then I'm going to add in all of these brand, compose brand new brass parts because the synth lines sound terrible on brass. And then I'm going to compose a whole new thing for the gospel choir to sing. So like we're called arrangers. I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of composing every time I arrange. I'm just doing it so that I can highlight a previously composed piece, right? So even though those things are technically already there, they can't get on stage and say, yeah, yeah, we're just playing music, you know, jamming to Bruno. No, there's so much work that goes in between. Hi, I'm Bruno Mars, and I'd like to play the Super Bowl with this big band and them actually playing it. And usually it's at, it's at least one person. It's probably more because usually you're looking at in a, in a real setting. Not that I haven't gotten a chance to work in a real setting, but in an ideal setting, you're working with somebody who's an arranger, who's somebody who's a composer, who's an arranger, and then you're working with an orchestrator, and then you're working with a copyist. And when you asked earlier, what did I do for Didi's Big Band? Arrange, compose, copy, and was the librarian. You know, that's all the things that I had to do, and I directed it, right? So part of what I was like, kind of behind the scenes, like I'm flying with a printer, I'm taping parts. And I'm recruiting people to take parts. Thanks, Amina and Emily. Um, and I'm making sure that their parts look perfect so that they don't have to worry about like this note squashed into this and my code is on whatever the hell page. You know, I'm doing like so much of that too. But in, a, in an ideal setting, when the Super Bowl with Bruno, there's at least five people involved doing that. So those people don't ever get mentioned. We talk about John Clayton not getting mentioned for Whitney Houston's Super Bowl performance. You know, like he's the reason that i mean whitney yes but he is the reason that that sounded so good and we're just Are you now, telling me whitney houston didn't write all that music oh my <laughs> you know i don't what do you what no stop i don't think she wrote the star spangled <laughs> banner <laughs> um but yeah no it's seriously people don't think about that person and i remember telling my dad that and he was like i have never thought about that before but every live performance that you hear has somebody at least one person like me in between making sure that that music it can actually come across, you know, and it's probably a lot of them and you probably have never heard of them. So that's why I'm always yelling credit your arrangers because we're out here doing work. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fine. That's a, that's a beautiful point. Listen, before, before we, uh, first of all, I want to say this about Whitney. Whitney Houston is the greatest singer of all time. And I, and anybody can fight me on that, but, uh, okay. 
You want to fight me, Greg? Greg doesn't want to fight me. Okay, good. Let's I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I don't. I don't get into arguments with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, man. It's Facebook fights, man. I know. Right? So dig this. I I want to take a second uh, to to listen to this track. Um, I'm not sure the name of it, but oh, one fine thing. That's the name of it. And, yeah. Uh, it's it's one of your big band big band arrangements. Well, let's listen to a few seconds of it. Get on the vibe. That's some bad shit. Everybody listening to that, that's that New Orleans lilt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like when you die in New Orleans, it's hot. You can't be walking all fast. You, you walk a little slow. Ain't that right, Greg? Ain't that right? <laughs> Man. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. The, the, the arranging part is definitely in the middle. But, you know, check it out because Dee Dee is just amazing. And you should listen to her sing that song. Oh, my goodness. The way she sings that song is just like... Oof. That's like quest. Like sometimes on stage, watching just like, oof, like I don't know if I should be in the room for this, Didi. Like, <laughs> oh my god, you know? Um, she had you blushing. Huh? She had you always, blushing. Always, huh? <laughs> always. Like, oh my god. But that song, the the thing that you just said, the New Orleans lilt. Literally, those are the instructions that I was given. I was called like two weeks before this session. I was in the mountains with my family, so I had just like just my laptop, like my old laptop without any of the, (laughs) I had my laptop and Sibelius and some really terrible headphones. And they're like, yeah, we need this arrangement. We need it by next week because we're going to be in the studio the week after. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, sure, sure. I'll give it my shot. And they're like, you know, all she said is she wanted it to sound like she was walking through the ninth ward, like maybe like just strolling around. And I was like, huh, okay. And that was it. The See, end. Told it. Job well done. That was you, it. That, that's the that's the feeling I felt like I was in fr- down on Frenchman Street. You know, you know how about three in the morning. You know those walks. I was <laughs> like, cool, cool. No, that was it. Was like a second line, maybe a post second line, something about. There was definitely something about the ninth word, and I was like, okay, yeah, Harry Connick in the ninth word, sure. 
no problem. I, I got it, I think. And then they said I could have bass clarinet and I'm never going to ever, ever, ever turn down bass clarinet because I love it. And Jason Marshall, obviously playing bass, you know, it's just beautiful, beautiful stuff. It's the most, most expensive um, instrument per note. <laughs> Listen, I have really expensive tastes. <laughs> yeah yeah but that was so, that was the vibe t- t- so that's that's the story they they hit you up two weeks and, and you had and to I was make it in happen the, yeah I was in the mountains I did not have my piano I was uh, young I was 22 so wow. maybe 23 at that time yeah I was um, just just figuring stuff out um, and I can hear it now you know but it's, you know, it was a great experience. And that's like the biggest part about what I constantly preach is just always say yes. I yes my way into opportunities that, I mean, to opportunities, right? Like we have to learn how to say no to things for sure. But to opportunities, even if don't, don't cut yourself or your abilities off because I've yesed myself into things that like I have probably no business saying yes to, but, you know, succeeded or learned and grown, <laughs> you know, either way, um, I think just don't shut up about what you do. Tell people that you're arranging. That's a, like one of the first things out of my mouth. Anytime somebody meets me, yeah, I'm actually an arranger and a composer. I work with big bands. Never shut up about it. And then just always say, yeah, say yes to the opportunities because had I been like, no, I have no business arranging a big band tune for a DD Bridgewater record because I'm in the mountains with my parents without any resources to actually get this done. Uh-uh. Just, yep, got it. No problem, you know. And then, then learn and grow from there. Yeah. Before we go, I'm gonna change the subject just really quick. But you know, I want. I know we, we didn't talk about this earlier, but one of the cool things about the DD Bridgewater big band is that it was an all female big band. And yeah. so I just wanted to. Have you ever played with an all female big band? And hey, what's the difference between playing with the uh, all dudes and all chicks? What's going on here? <laughs> I don't think you guys are ready to hear about that. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> be careful, Emily. Be careful. You better be careful out here. <laughs> Listen. Um, what was that like? Yeah, well, first of all, cool. it was amazing. No, I've never had that opportunity before. There are definitely big bands throughout history who have been, you know, historically all women big bands. Um, I've never had that opportunity before. It was 20 women from like very, like all over the, well, kind of all over the world definitely all over the country, um, all generations. And I, I can't, I still can't put into words how amazing it felt like the energy was so great. And there were just moments like such sweet moments where we would like have like, okay, I, um, I've looked up to you my whole life and now I get to work with you. Like you're the reason I saw you somewhere and that encouraged me to keep doing it because I didn't know that there were other women like me doing what, what I wanted to do. There were those moments happened so many times that weekend. Actually, that specific arrangement. Oh man, this this gives me chills. That specific arrangement. One of the the Barry Sachs player name is Erin Alexis, and she's fantastic. I was talking about arranging for DD. I was like, yeah, this the first time I did was this tune called One Fine Thing, and she's like, oh, you arranged One Fine Thing. First of all, she didn't know that because credit your arrangers, but I, I was on the liner notes. It's whatever. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but <laughs> she, 
she was like that. I've listened to that, that track so many times. I'm obsessed with it. And the way the DD phrases and the way that the like trombones came in and I was like, Oh my God, that's like, that moment just made it so special to me, you know, and like for us to connect over that. But those types of moments happened so many times that weekend, where it was like, I literally saw you as a kid and I thought maybe I can do this because I saw you doing it, you know? And that's, that's just so huge. Um, the nuances of rehearsing a big band of all women is so special. I, you know, unless you're in the room, you don't you don't get the opportunity to uh, to hear about it. I'm sorry. We'll have to disclose that at a different time. But I'll tell you, <laughs> eight hours, eight hour rehearsal days, two days in a row, 11, um, 11 tunes. Nine of them were totally original tunes by people in the band that have never been played before, like with the big band beautiful and it was great i mean one experience you know for, you for, have many opportunities to do. i think absolutely so. yeah. and for no it's all good for people out there listening this, this is uh is a teachable moment and and the lesson in this is representation matters mm. so you know you got to see someone who looks like you who's your gender uh who identifies how you identify doing the things that you want to do because it's powerful, right? Because then you like, oh, I definitely can do it if she, he, they, whatever. If they, if if it's happening, okay, cool. Now I know I can do that. Yeah. You know, like no matter where you're from, you you need to see somebody. And so it's great that you guys did that. And some some little girl out there was sitting. It's like, wow, twenty something women. Wow, this is crazy. Like women can do anything. You know what I mean? So you guys just yeah. empowered the next generation or three. Yeah. You, you know so. That's beautiful. Y'all, y'all listen, we're come, we coming to the end, Emily. And um, yeah, yeah. as we are, I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to tell the people uh, where they can deposit money directly into your account for uh, the arrangements that, uh, <laughs> that they're going to need in the future. Oh, man. And any other things that you're selling, <laughs> tell, tell them how to hook up with you. Well, probably the best way is to... Um, just i'm emily f music everywhere so instagram facebook emily Fredrickson, all of that you can you can contact me i do check my dms i i do i'm, I'm not that important i can go through them and <laughs> slide into the dms no i didn't say it i didn't say uh, like be, that be careful but, y'all. <laughs> no no i mean just like that's a really good way to reach out and honestly like that's that's a good way to just like connect with anybody that you want to work with if you're being respectful there are ways to do it for sure um that's definitely a good way to reach me um and then just overhauling the website now that i actually have photos of myself from recent times um but that's a good way to reach me and other things that i'm working on i mean I'm constantly doing some sort of arranging or copyist work or, you know, I'm composing some of my own stuff now, trying to get a string quartet album done maybe early next year. Um, And just started writing, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. Usually when I'm working on a project, I start hearing things that is like the completely opposite style. So when I was working on all those big band charts, I started hearing some stuff that kind of sounds like like the roots with Eric Dolphy, maybe. So maybe that's going to happen. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's a little wild. I don't know. It's it's a little wild, but that's what I was hearing while I was working because I just can't focus on one thing at a time. I just have to like mini rebel every time I have a project. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to do the other thing. Um, so we'll see about that. But yeah, lots of cool things coming up. I'm still teaching at UNO and um, working on 
you know, big plans for the future that are TBD. But I will, you know, y'all, y'all will know. Y'all will know. You're the family. Beautiful, you'll beautiful. know. So y'all make sure y'all look out for Emily. She's going to be on BET, MTV, VH1. She, oh, she's man. got contracts with all of them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have cable, y'all. Don't listen to me. I don't know. <laughs> YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. I'm going to YouTube me. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Emily, thank you so much for coming on The Working Artist. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. And thank you so much for always doing this and dedicating your time and your resources, your platform. This is, this is what's really important. I appreciate We're y'all. all doing it together. Thank yeah. You, Emily. Yeah. Always. Hey, real quick. Finale or Sibelius? <laughs> all day. All day. Fight me. I will go. I, just, I, I switched over to Sibelius last year. Finale is trash. Oh. Uh, but that's a whole other podcast. Hey, I will uh, help you. I will help you transition out of fin- Finale. I will do it for free because I love you. You don't, you love- don't even need your help. It's so easy. You I could know. figure it out yourself. But I will. It's like, that's. But I will do it. Anyway. Because I want Sibelius files. I don't want your XML um, files. Hey, Finale, if you guys are listening to this, you can donate to us. No problem to support us. Oh, shoot. I, oh, no. I still I use Finale. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Dang. It's all good. All right, yo, for real. All right, y'all. My name is, <laughs> <laughs> my name, my name is Darian Douglas, and this is the Working Artists Project. All right, we'll catch y'all later. Peace. <laughs>